wasn't easy. I mean, at the beginning, we didn't even think that we were um, building a community. We were just focused on creating the right educational content. Welcome to the Daily Coffee Pro by Map It Forward Friends. I'm your host, Lee Safar, and this is episode two of a five-part series where we are talking about selling more coffee, that's green coffee, for a better price. Um, Sarah from Vuna Origin Consulting is with us, and we are talking in this episode about building communities of experts at Origin. So, Sarah, you guys are focused on strengthening the, I mean, this is my interpretation of it um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you're strengthening the skill set that people have at Origin for professionals. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. Right. Um, exactly. We, um, since I started uh, Vuna, I always worked with paid staff of mm-hmm. an organization, cooperative, local exporter, dry mill, washing station. There are so many different formats, but it's always the same. It's people that work for and on behalf of producers. Producers for me are the folks that own a farm, pick um, and, and and grow coffee. The, the folks that I work with m- turn that cherries into an exportable product. And they carry out, they're basically, most of them, office office folks. They work in an office, they under a team, under an org, org, org chart, and, 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 and they are usually accountable um, to importers and roasters on one side and producer on the other side. So that is the, that, that's the folks that I work with. Now, you hear a lot in the coffee industry, and maybe it's just because of the parts of the industry that I'm involved in, but you hear a lot about barista communities and coffee roasting communities and producer communities. Mm -hmm. But the kinds of experts that you're working with, you don't hear about like communities for coffee traders or community or uh, coffee exporters or or I don't know, the the manager of a milling station or something like that. How do you go about creating communities of experts at origin? It wasn't easy. I mean, at the beginning, we didn't even think that we were um, building a community. We were just focused on creating the right educational content. Folks, our first on-demand workshop, How to Become a Coffee Consultant, is now available for you to learn at your own pace for just 50 euros, and it comes with a certificate upon completion. Go to mapperforward.coffee forward slash workshops or click the link in the show notes for more details. Support this podcast by supporting our sponsors. Uh, So Mm -hmm. under the four uh, capacity building pillars, so collection, sales, price fixing and finance. Um, so that's what we did. And then when we rolled out Vuna Coffee School, uh, obviously we started to grow a community from Mexico all the way to Papua New Guinea and everything um, in between. And we started to ask, what is your function within the organization? And it's usually commercial manager, uh, export manager, quality control, uh, certification, compliance, admin, secretaries. And so... At the beginning, I was like, wow, this is a very diverse community because what does a secretary and a commercial manager have in common except, you know, working for an organization that needs to sell green coffee? Mm-hmm. So uh, 
and and it wasn't easy to identify at the beginning because it, it looks very loose. There there isn't really a common thread apart from maybe dealing with a green coffee. Mm-hmm. But it was important because a lot of the times when, as you said, we think of origin, we think of producers. Well, the needs and wants of producers is very different from somebody who is working for a cooperative and maybe has a bachelor degree, um, has a mortgage, has gone to university or college and so forth. It's very different. But without this community of professionals, producers most of the time can't get their coffee out. So there are this invisible in, invisible group of people without whom the coffee doesn't move out of out of out of a producing country. So they are essential, and they play a huge role for farmers for producers. Mm-hmm. They are the first people that farmers engage with, speak with, rely on, trust. Um, you know, uh, deliver their cherries to. So they um, they are in a way the custodians of producer needs and wants, and we only look at them as the manager, right? How often when I when I work with clients, like we need to train managers on ABCD. Um, and it's just, just a very diverse group of people. So it took us a while um, to even understand that this was a community and we didn't, it's not like I came up with that idea. Once we started to roll out all these courses online, then we build the community in our in our in our school. And I started to when we started traveling after COVID, I started to bump into folks like, "Hey, I took your course!" Like, "Oh my God, you know, I tried to do that. Uh, I tried to do an open price contract, and I fixed very well. So thanks for that course." And so I started to realize, wow, it's real people Mm. that I'm finally meet, and maybe what we're handling here is not just bunch of individuals all taking courses is a community that needs to come together, needs to feel like they're one and the same. And then together they're trying to reach their goals, which is selling more coffee at better prices. The same way the barista community comes together to celebrate and support their own baristas, support to push, you know, push forward with innovation and so forth. Or the roasting community, same thing. This community wants to exactly the same, um, get better, push the envelope, um, push the agenda um, and and succeed. It's just that they are a little bit harder to find, a little harder to define. There mm-hmm. is not a single category, and you know it's it's an international community and uh, with different backgrounds, uh, different financial means as well. So I felt that building this community online was this was the easiest way to reach them all. Um, while at the same time interacting also during um, in-person events and shows and so forth. What role or what barrier, if any, does language play in all of that? Huge um, for a lot of them. Um, English is, um, for many, English is a struggle, um, even if you are educated. Um, and it's not because they they are from Nicaragua or so forth, it's just Learning languages is difficult. And unless yeah. you're very exposed and you can travel and mm. do your English summer camps, um, you know, you're not going to learn. Like it, it, me, I, I started to speak English decently when I was 18. I, was, I wasn't able to put two things together, two words mm. together before that. So language is a huge barrier. And education in mm. coffee education that doesn't come in English or Spanish is really hard mm-hmm. to find. And 
for two reasons. Number one, because most of the education is produced sort of north of the equator. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so we just use uh, English, um, Spanish too, to be honest. Um, but a lot of the education is, is made by English speakers and Spanish speakers, a lot of it. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's uh, problem number one, and it never gets translated. So if you are in Indonesia or if you are in, um, I don't know, somewhere in Myanmar or in Vietnam or in China, um, you know, you just have, you, you just have a barrier. And for me, knowing that I am not a native English speaker, I, I, I understand how frustrating it is when you just don't have access because of a stupid barrier like language. Mm -hmm. And so... I felt that while I I can only sp I, I I speak only four languages and I I, I definitely don't speak only Vietnamese. four languages. Uh -huh. Jesus woman. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm not, yeah, but you know, like for non-native speakers, it's kind of normal. Like you grow up being told you better learn English or you right. better learn at least another language, otherwise you're doomed, right? And right. So for me, it <laughs> only was like, four languages. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I was like, I have to make. Language should not be a barrier in 2023. Right. Um, and from the get-go, my school, um, our school, the Vuna school was built with language accessibility. So right now um, we we run on six languages. Uh, the, wow. the toughest one is Vietnamese and Bahasa, of course, mm -hmm. um, but French and Portuguese. Um, language should not be a barrier. Um, and uh, luckily we have the technology to overcome it. So mm. that's, it's, it's just for me. And that opened up um, new worlds for me. I mean, I was able to finally engage in Indonesia. I was able to finally engage um, in Vietnam, things that before I couldn't do. And it's and not that a, hard. Is a lot it's of the, the translating happening via AI or is it happening using other kind of tech or are people just doing the translations? We do we do we do work with a network of translators, and uh -huh. when we record our lectures, uh, we um, try to have coaches that can at least deliver the the course in two languages, okay. um, and the other languages will be done with subtitles. Uh, but my dream is that um, soon I'm gonna start um, um, onboarding coaches that just speak their own language. So my idea would be awesome. to have coaches for Bahasa, coaches for Vietnamese, coaches for uh, Portuguese and so forth. Um, there are two sets of people that can't deal with subtitles, English speakers and Spanish speakers. I guess they are the <laughs> ones that are least um, used to. Yeah, they're like, oh, it's privilege. <laughs> yeah, it's pure privilege, but everybody else doesn't have a problem with it. But English and Spanish speakers, this is a big no-no. Um, so those two, those those in those two languages, we need to have bilingual coaches. Yeah. Um, for others, subtitling um, is good enough, and then of course all the uh, all the written materials come come translated fully. You know, something I'm starting to notice is that there is becoming a shift from this entitlement that is being experienced on the consuming end of the supply chain and professionals at origin as well as producers at origin are saying you know what we're kind of sick of dealing with all this entitlement we're kind of sick of dealing with having to adapt to what you guys want us to do we're going to create a local um economy and we're just going to keep it all in country and i'm seeing that happen more and more and more because people at origin 
are deciding that it's just too hard to have to adapt to the constant changes. Are you guys, exper- is, am I seeing that the right way or is that something Absolutely. that- Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. You have no idea how much demand we have for education, for launching roasted line, coffee lines yeah, at awesome. origin, education on how to open a cafe, education on how to uh, roast or package. Um, folks are have started to realize that there is more potential at home than mm. abroad and all these cultural challenges that you have in an international supply chain they become much more manageable when it's a local supply chain but that what do i mean it's a just as an example i would just in in rwanda in february it was amazing every other and every other street corner there's a new cafe right specialty cafe so imagine you have to deal with a rwandan barista and a roaster a rwandan roaster and and then a rwandan producer or 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 washing station and a rwandan um, a producer, just I think their hearts and they're in the right place. Mm. Uh, it works, and why not? I mean, why should they just limit themselves to export? I mean, clearly that hasn't worked out for a lot. Um, so they should bank on on local consumption and launching um, specialty in their own countries. And finally, that might become more attractive to younger generations. I mean, you're twenty something in Rwanda. You you're probably more interested in, in in running a cafe or becoming a roaster than, you know, taking over your family farm. Or you can do both. You run the farm and then you have a cafe. And all of a sudden, you're not abandoning agriculture, but you're making it different and you're making it, you're bringing it to, um, you're building the country with it. Yeah. If, if I if I, if I get you, if I yeah, if you yeah. understand what I mean Totally. Willie Gihoso, go there. on. The mission is, yeah, Willie Gihozo is a young uh, Rwandan producer and he said to his father, so Willie is I think about 25 and he said to his father, I want to grow specialty coffee and his father uh, allowed him to do it and so then Willie went to his friends and he said, I need you to open a roastery and I need you to open a cafe and I need all of us to work together to build a local economy and uh, Willie supplies them with coffee the roaster roasts the coffee, supplies the cafe, and that's how they started their specialty coffee in their town in Rwanda, and it's just flourished from there. And he said, uh, why should I be exporting this coffee when I can be creating jobs in my local community and we can create an economy here that ends up working really well? And the pandemic afforded them the opportunity to do that. It is really, really inspiring to see what Gen Z is doing at the producing end of the supply chain. It is absolutely inspiring to watch what they're doing. Right. So. And there is and there is no, not to say that there aren't challenges and there are uh, problems on balance of power or that yep. they don't deal with societies that are not equal, there's no equity. So obviously it's, it's not oh, it's a, a battle world, but it's their world. And yeah. they can handle it. And yep. I, I, I think it's, 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 it's. Uh, I think their interpretation of what specialty coffee is will only benefit the industry as a whole. And we don't yep. have to wait for the next world barista to tell us where to go and where the industry is headed. Right? Yep. Let's just see what all this new generation of of, of folks at uh, in producing countries want for their for the crop that they that that it's theirs. Yeah, 
I love it. In the next episode, we're going to talk about digital education for coffee professionals at Origin. And and then, folks, we are going to take the conversation into money. So uh, a lot of people ask us about how to um, price coffee. They don't quite understand that. So through this series, we're going to follow all of that. We're following the money. So bear with us. This is a fantastic conversation. Thank you so far, Sarah. Join us for the next episode, friends. Peace, love, and peanut butter. Have an amazing rest of your day. Thanks for tuning in, friends. There are two ways you can support this podcast. Firstly, become a paid member of our YouTube channel. Secondly, you can join our Patreon for as little as $3 a month. Both have options for exclusive ad-free content and early release content. Don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. The Daily Coffee Pro is produced by Map It Forward and the music you're listening to is called Run 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 off of my album Laundry After Midnight. To get older episodes of this podcast, as well as more information on Map It Forward, head to mapitforward.coffee. You can find links and more information in the show notes below.